So, hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Grassy Hopper podcast. Today I'm here with Dave, who was the first ever podcast guest. Hey everyone. And we also have a new first time virgin appearance on the podcast by my sister, Amber. Hello. Uh, We're super inspired by her wonderful gig yesterday. Amber's a musician and she had her first solo gig yesterday and it was truly beautiful. And me and Dave had a lovely morning surf today, so we're feeling super pumped. This podcast was inspired because we have our Sanya one-day retreat coming up this weekend. The three of us are the hosts of the retreat. So we were talking a lot and thinking about transformation and each of us looking back at our own lives, noting those periods which really transformed us and the challenges that we faced, tools that we use and also now looking at this one day retreat and saying okay how can we create the, the best environment for people to really come and transform and what even pushes people to say yes I'm gonna come to a one day retreat so a lot of this has been on our mind and we thought we'd share this with all of you guys today um, you might have some questions in general about transformation and the retreat, and we hope that us just sharing our story might answer some of those questions for you. As always, if you do have other questions, please just get in touch with us. And this one-day retreat is a preparation and a taster of a one-week, it's actually a five-day, um, one week including arrival and departure days. Um, in Tuscany in October we're super psyched about that because obviously five days is a real immersion into all of the different workshops and tools that we're going to offer uh, the one day is just a taster obviously it's kind of dipping your toe in the water but at the same time you can actually get a lot from just one day and one of the key things about these kind of retreats is really getting to know the hosts and developing that rapport and trust with them because obviously we're there to hold the space for you guys so for those of you who are listening who are interested and haven't met any of us yet um, this one day retreat would be a really good time for you to come and find out more see who we really are <laughs> <laughs> cool so we had a little bit of a chat about what we're going to talk about before, but we're pretty much going to freestyle. Um, we were all going to ask each other one question, and then we were all worried about <laughs> what we're going to what we're going to share. No, I'm just kidding. Um, obviously, some transformations are a little bit um, kind of sensitive because they involve other people in your life. It's not just you. Um, but uh, we're all here to just share honestly the moments that have really challenged us and changed us. So um, maybe we'll start with you because me and Dave have talked quite a lot on this podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're, you're new, so it'd be lovely to hear um, a little bit. Maybe we can just start by maybe highlighting one of your biggest challenges and, and the thing that really transformed you. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way it's kind of hard to pinpoint exactly just one thing because I feel like the kind of character that I am um, I feel like I wake up a different person every single day and each year that passes when I think back to the previous year I'm like wow who was that woman like I feel like every year I change so much 
And but one of the sort of key themes in my transformation was very much my relationship to myself and my my own um, I guess self esteem in a way. So I used to be a few years ago quite a submissive character. Um, I used to find it very difficult to express myself, especially in front of people who are already quite sort of confident and assertive. I used to find it very difficult to actually be myself around those kinds of people and to stand up for myself when there was something I believed that wasn't right. I would find it very hard to like challenge that, that other person or, or to really speak my truth. And so <clears throat> I struggled with that for quite a while and it was actually a bit frustrating sometimes because I could see this sort of lack of fire within myself but I just didn't know how to to go about sort of creating that connection with myself and um it was it wasn't really something that happened overnight you know I think it took many years and many encounters with different people um but my relationship with myself now is I think anything um, anything but submissive in a way. Um, I feel, especially, you know, you mentioned my gig last night. That was um, a very sort of symbolic uh, step in, in my personal journey because it was me completely alone, not relying on anyone else to just stand in front of a bunch of people and share what's in my heart. And, um, you know, that was always my biggest struggle before. And now it feels like that's... I feel completely comfortable doing that and I feel like that's my purpose in a way, you know. Can I just take you back <coughs> a second? Because yeah. you said something that I think is really relevant for people. There comes this stage in the very beginning when you start being reflective, where you reflect and you don't see what you like. Yeah. And I think a lot of people get to that stage and they say, no, 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 I don't want to see this. It's yeah. uncomfortable. It's not nice to kind of look at yourself and say like, okay, there's insecurity, there's judgment, there's this, that and the other. Yeah. I remember a friend of mine who read uh, one of Eckhart Tolle's books and he was just like, no way. <laughs> not going there. <laughs> I, I don't, don't want to see that. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought how interesting because when I read Eckhart Tolle's book, I was like, well, my mind was blown because mm-hmm. he talks a lot about our ego and a lot of our shadow qualities. Um, so I don't know maybe if you can <coughs> share sort of what made you want to carry on going and looking when it can feel mm-hmm. very depowering. Well, in a way, staying still and staying where you are is scarier than not knowing. I think that was the biggest thing for me that was pushing me forward. So it's like I was looking into the future saying, okay, I know what kind of person I want to be, but I don't know how to get there. So I look into the future and it's kind of blank. There's no path as such. But then when I look now around me, it's it's uncomfortable. I don't like being this submissive person, very sort of powerless, That that's not who I really am on the inside. So either I don't face the, the sort of challenge and discomfort of going into the unknown and I just stay here. But then staying here is in a way more scary, right? Even though you know it and it's safe, but what it's offering you is something that's not actually helping you to grow and not helping you to be your whole self. So I think that just scared me more than than the unknown. And I think this is a very important issue, (coughs) probably for most people in in general, I guess, but for women in particular, because I think um, (coughs) a lot of women struggle with this issue of submissiveness. Um, 
yeah so I think it's something yeah, I would just I really would, encourage that's a whole other podcast in itself yeah. because of course um, women by nature were maybe more internal and yeah. feelings based and sometimes mm-hmm. it creates quite a lot of conflict and not knowing how to be both because you actually can be very internal and very soft and very feeling yet also have the assertiveness when you need to be totally it's just about kind of being able to wield both forces and choosing when is appropriate when it's appropriate yeah and to use like now that I've I feel like I've developed more of this fire to use it appropriately you know not to use it in a violent way but to use it in a way that's going to bring about positive change both for yourself and those around you so the fire can be not destructive but actually just a burning flame that kind of inspires you and motivates you yeah I think that's really the aim I don't know, Dave, maybe you have any thoughts on that you're a very reflective character. (laughs) Do you ever kind of reflect on who you are and how you're acting and find that maybe more depowering? Because I think this is something very relevant to people, you know, when they're trying to decide, do I want to take this step? Do I want to use this tool? It's a kind of ego battle to even accept that you don't like where you are or that you can improve. But it's only really by accepting that that we're going to take the first step forward. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I think, especially like um, like men in general, I think we're not maybe as you know emotionally connected as uh, women or, or don't express our emotions as well. Um, but personally, I was always a bit more of a reflective person. I always um, used to kind of look internally um, rather than just being very reactive so it was an up and down process but it was always something like innate in me from a young age um, but, but I did it, did it ever depower you as opposed to empower you being being so reflective I I guess it depends in like what you know context like because um like from a personal point of view like I I never felt like it did because I always felt like I I was quite assertive and knew to an extent like who I was and what I wanted to do but being a man um and being surrounded by people who seemingly were the opposite um I was always given the impression that yes like I was you know I was weak because I for example was emotional or um yes it was an interesting I guess um, time (laughs) (laughs) it's funny you should say it's it sort of made you appear weak because actually now especially as an artist that's probably one of your biggest strengths that you're so reflective and emotional because you you create your art from that from that place which is so much more powerful yeah definitely definitely so your biggest weakness became your biggest strength for sure (laughs) yeah well I think this is an issue in society in general um our ability to kind of be agile with our emotions and allow ourselves to feel them and work with them is something we're just never taught you know from a young age we're taught a million different things which relate to the external world but very little about how to manage our internal worlds yeah i think this is a shift happening at the moment you have companies like mind valley who are specializing in this kind of education Mm. and just people in general really recognizing that they need this even to be successful in their own careers they need to have this emotional maturity if Mm. you will Mm -hmm. for sure i think like unfortunately in society we're kind of so this you know this myth in a way that um you know, it's all about 
striving and, and ultimately like suppressing you know for so long it was about suppressing the emotions and you know showing emotions is weak and you just need to kind of continue going continue going but when you look at a lot of the problems which I feel like arise in society nowadays um, I feel a lot of it has got to do with um, when you really dig deep into it it's people not addressing those core emotions or maybe like life experiences which they had from a young age I mean you know, we've all done, for example, holotropic breathing, and and that's such a an amazing way to like tap into yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think also, I mean, the three of us, we've had our sort of time with drugs, and you find a lot of people in the health and wellness industry who all have the same story. Like we all went through this phase of drinking. Some people taking it as far as drugs, and you kind of get to the stage where you realize that if you're gonna be able to feel your own emotions, you have to kind of lay off the substances that numb you mm-hmm. and create this veil between you and how you really feel. And I think that's a really massive challenge for our generation. For sure. I mean, it's. I think that's, yeah, it's such an interesting topic. I was having a debate with... Uh, a friend of mine a couple of days ago actually just about this subject um and yeah i mean i think you know the you know we mentioned the whole thing of, of suppressing emotions and, and all of that and we live in a society which is hardwired for like um kind of hacks and quick releases and and solutions in order to like give you that um feel good factor i mean and drugs and alcohol have been you know hugely successful in that aspect um but i guess you know the the detriment of that is that you know um it it's very very short lived and um you know it doesn't really address the 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 underlying issues um i think there's something also that has to be addressed is that the reason we used to feel or some of us maybe still feel that we need these substances to cover up these emotions is because it's not just the emotion that we're trying to avoid, but actually the shame that comes with it. I think that's a really big part of it, that as we sort of reflect more, we start to find things that we don't like, as you said earlier, Yaz. And that brings up a lot of shame. Like, you might feel a certain way about a certain way about someone who you actually love very much, like me and you as, as sisters. Of course, most people in families tend to have different sort of issues with each other. And... Um, as my sister, you're like my favorite person in the whole world, and yet I have childhood pain related to you. So when that comes up, it of course makes me feel shame because I love this person, but there are also things that I don't like about this person or, or the way they make me feel. So the shame that comes up is almost worse than the, even, than the emotion itself because how, how do you sort of integrate that whole process? How, how do you deal with it? I think without tools and support... Um, that can be a really overwhelming thing to to be facing. Definitely, and I think you hit the nail on the head. Brené Brown talks a lot about this, and actually this is one of the main reasons why we're not ready to feel our emotions. And we were talking before this about therapy. Yeah. Uh, We've, each three of us, been through therapy in its various shapes and forms, and... Well, I feel like without it, I would not be the person that I am today and doing the things that I am. Definitely. But generally, as a society, it's almost like you feel ashamed if you have to go to therapy because it means that you're broken or you're you know, not dealing with your life and whatnot. But 
I think this is a normative we really need to shift because actually we all need therapy like there are things that I've sort of gone back to in therapy that happened when I was five that I totally didn't remember I went back to memories of being in the womb and having issues around my birth and there's so much that we that we suppress that you don't even know that you have certain issues until you start kind of digging yeah and yes it's scary and it's hard but once you release it wow the the wholeness that you feel is just unparalleled and you could never get that from any substance and talking about creativity all of that energy that you've been using to suppress emotions you didn't even know you were exactly. suppressing suddenly is available for you to use in your in your work and your art which i think is Definitely. amazing oh yeah i mean a thousand percent like a I couldn't agree more. I feel like I am the artist that I am today because of all that I've been through and because of the simple fact that I was able to really dig deep and lay everything out and be very vulnerable and transparent with myself. And I think so often we tend to look at certain issues, experiences, emotions um, in a negative way um, rather than using them as wisdom and using them as kind of really you know those instrumental tools to carry forward and like create the structure that you really want and ultimately like have that voice um, Mm -hmm. and be of service to people and and share an extremely positive message coming from a place of possibly very deep suffering and pain and anxiety you know so it's actually it's I think it's like a beautiful um, <laughs> it's a, yeah, yeah, it's amazing, you know, and, and what a way to, to translate that. Yeah. I mean, going back to society again, like most movies or series and whatnot, the heroic characters are the fun-loving, like having fun, going out drinking, partying, being the centre of attention. And we don't really have any role models who are living their most authentic self, going sober, and yet that is the cool thing yeah. to do. Yeah. I think now we're sort of seeing some characters out there internationally yeah. kind of stepping up, telling their story, and just being such inspirational characters and kind of creating that cool mm-hmm. vibe around a very different way of living life. And I think that is just incredible because mm-hmm. we've spoken about role models. We all need to... You know, we all love Rich Roll, yeah. yeah. And he's just an example of that. You know, he was an addict. He turned his life around, completely changed. And you know, what a cool and inspirational guy. For sure, for sure. I mean, yeah, like tap. You know, um, carry on as in leading on to that. I mean, um, you know, someone like that. Um, I was actually reflecting on this a couple of days ago. Um, you know, he really I feel for me him and a few other people really created a space for me you know uh, mentally to see ah okay you know like people actually you know um, are taking ownership of of um, these things and are talking about them and and it it didn't want to make me like be like these people ultimately it rather made me want to like take ownership of of my own problems and my own issues and and you know see how I could um, spin those over into very positive messages yeah. and ways of, of living my life yeah. I think also one thing that is quite interesting with a, a character like Rich, you know, he's wildly successful in his material life and I think this is actually something really positive because 
in the past, maybe this transformation genre, if you can call it that, was mainly propagated by more of the hippie movement. Yeah. And it was kind of synonymous with also rejecting society and sort of shunning material reality. Um, but I think there's this new group of people who are saying like, we're not going to reject reality. We want to be successful. And that success is just a reflection of how genuine and authentic mm-hmm. um, we are and how much we're helping other people. And I think that's really beautiful because, you know, there's a lot of shadow around material success and money, but it also can be quite a positive thing. Like, why shouldn't we strive to be successful in our lives and, and just see that as a measure of how much we're impacting people? And it can fuel the, the sort of mission. Uh, even more definitely I think that's a really nice way because people don't need to sacrifice their career they don't need to sacrifice their job it's just about aligning it with what's really meaningful for you and really doing something that is in line with your values yeah (laughs) you have a good smile on your face (laughs) I do yeah I mean I don't know what to say but I I feel like you know um I couldn't agree more and I, I feel like you know it's people like these and you know um, I feel like it's you know with what we're doing and spreading this message to to ultimately hopefully like get people to connect with with um, this with way their of, own yeah. path yeah mm-hmm. definitely um, I just had an idea of maybe talk, talking about um, the dark night of the soul <laughs> because for me anyway transformation is synonymous with sometimes reaching that like real low point Mm -hmm. which can often really trigger you to go to a next level but you kind of have to have the stamina to ride you know a few days a few weeks sometimes even a few months of feeling really crappy and feeling lost and feeling like what the hell am I doing and just to give our listeners a bit of background to this term the dark night of the soul was actually called by saint john of the cross and he wrote the book called dark night of the soul and he was actually arrested by his fellow priests because he was seen as being a bit too out there, um, a bit too God-loving. <laughs> and so anyway, he was imprisoned and held for, I think, a number of months and in a very small closet in winter in Spain in the mountains. And he was beaten regularly. They didn't let him write. Um, but he had one security guard who would slip him some paper I think in the beginning he was actually memorizing his writing and then at the point a guard slipped him some paper and pen and he wrote this amazing book and the story goes that he actually got his enlightenment through this really harrowing horrible experience it sort of made him dig so deep in his into his faith in a higher power that he just got totally transformed uh, by it and this term has now become quite popular in psychology and the general transformation movement Mm -hmm. and I think for me speaking personally I definitely had points where I just felt really down and really low and I felt like I just couldn't see any light at the end of the tunnel I don't know quite what got me through those signs it's kind of a bit of a mystery it's Mm -hmm. like this inner power from within just kind of says I'm going to get through this, even though you have no reason to believe that you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's something really important to talk about because when you hear that other people have been through it, it kind of makes you just have that belief that, okay, this is going to pass. I'm just going to stick with it. I know all feels lost. I feel like shit, but 
I am going to get through this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have had you know similar experiences to this. Maybe you want to share a bit. Definitely. I think it's almost even cyclical that we don't just have one dark night of the soul, but it's every year or every <laughs> few months or something because it's like we go through one challenge and then we rise to the challenge and we integrate and it's beautiful and then the next challenge <laughs> comes and you just kind of go on, on a similar journey with with different things and I think one of the the interesting things on this topic is dealing with the ego through this process because of course the ego wants to be comfortable and the dark night of the soul uh, experience is anything but comfortable so during that time it's like you're hearing guidance from your soul and also from your ego and you you're not always able to clearly distinguish which is which so like okay I feel like I should do this but how do I know that this is actually the right thing? Is this just my ego wanting to make me safe and comfortable or is it actually going to take me to the next level of my journey? That, I think, is is kind of the yeah. tricky part. In every dark night that I've had, I've been thoroughly confused. Yeah. <laughs> I could just... I think it's the one thing that I always just felt so lost and confused. And I think it's really hard to kind of know what to do in that state. Definitely. Yeah. You look like you want to share about your dark night over there, Dave. <laughs> sure, yeah, I'll go for it. Um, but I think, like, just touching on what Amber said as well, like, it's it's interesting because, you know, when, when you mention, uh, when you touch up on dark night of the soul, like, I guess we all tend to go back to, like, that one moment or those couple of moments. But, like, you know, like Amber was saying, I think it's it's our whole life in a way, which is, like, life isn't linear. You know, life is, like, it's such a windy, zigzag road full of like roadblocks and whatever and um but yeah for me um do you want me to go into please do okay (laughs) okay um yeah i mean there have been some very very like uh i guess um at the time very dark moments in my life uh which i kind of struggled with and um um led me to some very lonely places uh, internally and externally um, and I guess it, it all stemmed from me uh, from a very young age as as kind of deep and reflective as I as I was I was I was also very insecure about myself about like my place in the world um, from a very young age like not a lot of things made sense to me um, my mother died at a very very young age um, and caused a lot of confusion in my family and, and there was a lot of confusion kind of um, uh, that was kind of reflected through the, the way people um, live their lives and, and it really had a scar on me um, and especially you know once um, I got to for example um, my late teens um, you know just going back to the whole thing of drugs and alcohol it was a very very um, powerful uh tool in my life you know on uh, externally i seemed like this person who um who was doing you know really really well i was like studying economics and finance at this you know english university i was doing internships in investment banks and like um straight a student and all of that but in deep inside you know when when like my head head hit the pillow at night and i was all alone with just my own thoughts you know i knew like I had such, uh, there was so much kind of um, emptiness. Uh, and at the time, my only way of, of dealing with it, um, 
because as a man I was very like oh I'm not gonna like share my emotions you know as if you know like with who like um, so my way of dealing with it was um, especially with drugs um, something I've never spoken about um, but the more I kind of you know think about it and and, and I, I see it's so important to, to, to share these experiences and um, the nature of my character is quite uh, extreme and um, unfortunately when it came to circumstances like these um, it was quite detrimental because um, I was uh, in a university town which was very very heavy on, um, on drugs um, and it's something which I really like took on like wildfire um, and um, yeah there were certain moments you know where um, where I took it maybe one step too too far um, and I learned so so much um, one particular moment was um, you know uh, it was in my final year and um, I was I was very very lost in a lot of areas in my life uh, I was um, back home situation wasn't too great internally as well I wasn't really I started to kind of ask these like deeper questions of like you know I, I guess drugs to an extent they said they 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 make you like a bit reflective mm -hmm. and you have those moments you know when you're like ooh, like reality peace, love, becomes and, a bit malleable yeah but exactly <laughs> you know you kind of like you start Thanks to, to put it. yeah um but that you know you can you can really um well i just like took that deeper and deeper and um um and yeah like i said since i didn't really know how to kind of express um these things with, with people i i used to spend a lot of time at home alone and my finally i was um renting an apartment on my own because i was in such a state where i just didn't really want to be around people and um and yeah there was a certain um night where um got pretty drunk um and um <laughs> yeah i just i decided to basically like um um take quite a few drugs um and yeah i just kept on taking and taking and taking and um you know looking back it was quite a dark time because the intention wasn't like let me feel as you know let me connect and have some fun and everything it was more like I wanted to search you know I wanted to um I wanted to f feel like whole and I wanted to feel I wanted to numb pain basically you know really thinking about it now I was to like I just wanted to like close that door you know which I had kind of opened for a bit and by it it, it wasn't closing so I just wanted to close this door yeah so I, I took it really really far and and um from there like everything just blanked out and um, next thing I knew I was um, I woke up in a hospital and um, you know paramedics around me and um, I remember just like I was just in my underwear sweating profusely you know I was um, still kind of recovering from what was happening to me and and I but but then I remember like there was this just this one nurse like and she looked at me and she just had like I, I remember when I opened my eyes I felt like the fir my first reaction was guilt mm. like it was like what the fuck did you just do like how you know and really like aggressive on myself and everything and I remember this one nurse just looked at me and she just like had this like beaming smile 
and she like put her hand on my shoulder and she's like don't worry like everything's gonna be okay and when she said that like for me it was it was a real moment because um you know i i really felt like um like okay maybe like it's fine to be vulnerable it's fine to like you know when 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 you're like on a hospital bed not knowing how the hell you got there and you know i don't think there's any more like vulnerable you can get (laughs) so for me it was a very very interesting moment um and yeah it gave me a very very um deep uh i guess gratification for, for for life and for you know what really what really matters and and yeah it just gave me so much perspective i guess it really was a crossroads in my life thank you for sharing <laughs> i think it's it's so interesting with drugs because when we're young there is some bravado like i remember in my school leaving book it, it had like a sentence about every student and mine was like yasmin will always be sort of um, immune to the drugs of alcohol and cigarettes <laughs> i had this real bravado you know that i was tough and i could drink a lot and i could smoke and i would be fine um, but i think we all get to a point where deep down we know that it's not good we might pretend and be like yeah i'm cool i you know kind of go with the group dynamic of taking drugs and all of that but I, you know you said that you, your first thing was guilt and I used to have that all the time when I smoked a lot every day I'd be like okay tomorrow I'm not gonna smoke and then the next night you know I'd be same head hits the pillow and you're like today is the last day and then your head hits the pillow again the next night and you feel that real sort of you know that you're letting yourself down on some yeah. level but again, like the society dynamic around drinking and this, you know, the coolest person is the one who can hold the most alcohol kind of vibe mm-hmm. really makes it very hard for us to be able to just step out of that. And for many people, it takes, you know, having experiences like you did where you just take it way too far to be able to have that slap in the face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think it's so important to talk about this because there are many people out there who are, you know, drinking, but really deep down... It's not, not what they would choose them for themselves yeah. if they weren't so held by this group dynamic mm-hmm. often. And I think um, it can be really, you know, choosing to to give up these substances that, that are actually used as such a crutch can be a really powerful step or, or symbol of choosing to really um, prioritize your own connection with yourself. Yeah. You know, so speaking about myself, I, similar to you, had... Um, quite a strong addiction to marijuana I battled with giving it up for a really long time and um, I remember when I was applying to do my masters in uh, spiritual nutrition with Dr. Cousins in America in the application form it says the last time you've used recreational drugs and you had to write you know a year six months whatever and for me it would have been yesterday or to this morning, I can't even remember. And I remember thinking like, but I don't want on this application to write that. So I set the application aside, I quit there and then that day, I waited six months and then I applied so that I could at least say six months ago. Um, and for me, that was such a, a symbolic um, moment of saying like, okay, I'm gonna choose myself, my education, my spiritual growth over this addiction because this addiction is holding me back like big time 
and it, it's a hard decision to make you know and yeah. like you said depending on the circle that you're in it's it's really not yeah. o- always easy you don't always have the support around you yeah. but I do want to say also that you don't have to quit recreational drugs if you want to grow because <laughs> some people here and they're like okay forget this spiritual growth stuff <laughs> yeah um, like we all you know started our journey and the journey is actually what helped us say no to these drugs because at the end of the day you need something that fulfills you more than the drugs to kind of step into and there is a time where you just simply don't have that so you're like I was doing yoga and doing reiki and doing other stuff and still smoking weed (laughs) and I knew on some level that it was wrong but I hadn't really used these tools enough to get the benefit from them to be able to say okay you know that's it yeah. yeah so i want to make it clear to people who are listening that it's not you know if you take drugs and you're not worthy enough to even start this journey on the contrary all you need is that thought which says maybe i want to stop or maybe this is holding me back from being the best version of myself that i can be definitely yeah. i i think like for me you know just like going back to you know the whole my whole experience that, that i gave like that wasn't that wasn't the end for me, <laughs> you know. That was a very big. Um, it was the beginning, in a way. Yeah, it was a big eye opener, but at the time, you know, I still wasn't um, um, mentally, spiritually mature enough to navigate my way through an alternative way of mm-hmm. living. Um, so, you know, I kind of relapsed in a way and went back into the social weekend drugs and alcohol and whatever just you know while still you know getting into yoga getting into um meditation (laughs) um but then yeah you know going deeper and and deeper into certain things and and um i don't think it's literally like an overnight um situation yeah. which I think everyone who's addicted to any substance has multiple endpoints. Yeah. <laughs> that's very true. I never met anyone who's well there are some rare characters who just say like boom that's it and they never go back. But yeah. I think for most people it's like push you, know, you stop and then you go mm-hmm. back and then you stop because you're you're still learning about it and how to exist without these substances. And like you said, building up the the connection to those tools that are going to give yeah. you the strength to actually And yeah, step we're, away. we're talking about addiction in general, but it doesn't even have to be substances. It can be relationships. Totally. It can be food, ways of eating. Oh even my gosh, just food. <laughs> yes. Food is a big one. Definitely. Um, uh, so yeah, it's actually many things that sort of our ego clings onto to give us this security and comfort mm-hmm. because... Ultimately, it's an uncomfortable world that's always kind of chucking us around. Yeah. And a part of us is like, no. Yeah. <laughs> so definitely, obviously, you know, all of these things that we use sort of help you feel calmer mm. and better. But and in a way, I think we can use our addictions as um, messages to us. Like, okay, so I've not been taking substances for a while now, but um, like you said, there are other addictions and... Um, food I think is the most common for basically everyone um, and I notice in myself when I'm going through a hard time or I'm particularly stressed or there's an issue <laughs> it's so much harder to have the strength not to eat that food that you know you shouldn't eat and when you're super high just on life and sort of fully integrated and inspired you don't even crave it 
you're happy to just drink your lemon water and, <laughs> and like eat your salad and there isn't even really the temptation that much so if I suddenly start craving this really bad food I'm like okay what's I can use that as an opportunity to say okay what's out of balance like what's what's going on with me and I I know at that point that I need to check in with myself and not eat the thing because that's not even gonna solve the problem in the first place but it is pointing me to something deeper which I can then sort of analyze and use to help me actually grow through it yeah def- uh, again you know you kind of need the strength to look at it and not feel guilty because yeah. then the guilt's just going to make you want to have another yeah. muffin actually even <laughs> if you eat like eat the muffin eat it that's fine but still think about why you want yeah. to eat it yeah you know? see that's something i've always like struggled with like muffins. this whole <laughs> i love <laughs> we all love everyone loves muffins. no no just the whole yeah. thing of like balance i guess um I've always been quite a an extreme character and um you know bit in a good way or in a, in a bad way and I think um but sometimes you know it, it's not always a a bad thing it's um you know for example initially it was I would express that through drugs and alcohol but then I managed to like see that see what that problem was and shift that kind of extreme character to more positive um approaches in my life you know fitness spirituality um but then something like spirituality really made me like understand the real essence of balance which i think is about like having achieving a level of sustainable kind of peak performance to an extent um yeah something i just wanted to no definitely i agree i mean there's Balance is kind of one of these catchphrases in the spiritual way. It's something that we all strive for. And I think it's something that's... Never ending. <laughs> something that you never really reach, you know. It's, it's very hard, obviously. But at the same time, our extremes have a lot to teach us. Yeah. Um, me, myself, I'm the same. I was such an extreme character when I was younger. I was always into extreme sports. I was always sailing and, you know, doing middle sea races when I was, like, 13, 14. Yeah took that into university into the drinking always you know the one trying to be the the heaviest (laughs) drinker drinker. and the biggest you know the one who could stay up the latest and you know do the most crazy stuff and in fact when I came to the spiritual part after maybe a year or two of doing meditation I kind of realized that this extreme behavior it's kind of like an artificial generator of happiness because it's easy to feel fulfilled when you're in these extremes. It's kind of that adrenaline rush. Mm-hmm. And when you... I remember I was in Bali and I was going through this major transformation. I had just done two weeks of sadhana. So it was you know, two weeks, five hours a day of meditation, eating very little, no chocolate, no sweets, <laughs> um, and not even leaving the ashram, you know. So I was really just had nothing to kind of distract myself and I afterwards it was such a shift that I actually started feeling quite depressed (laughs) and it took me like a couple of weeks to realize that actually I wasn't depressed but I was so used to just being on the go and being active and getting that hit through these extremes that Mm. To be able to just feel the natural happiness that can even just come from breathing or from being or from mm-hmm. sitting actually took quite a recalibration in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, talking about balance, this is something in our kind of modern day words, which is very difficult to find that inner 
kind of yeah. peace which naturally generates balance yeah and I, th- I think also though like it depends on what you know balance means to you the individual because i think you know we're all different and i would argue that this podcast is anything but balanced in a way because we're being super extreme talking about stuff which i would argue not many people probably want to talk about um you know i feel like the three of us are very um you know one side of the pendulum um you know people and but but we've found balance in in the way that serves us best i feel um so i think sometimes like being extreme in what serves you is 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 very like um could be very very beneficial i mean for me if i think of moments in my life uh which have had a very positive and negative impact it has been when i was very out of balance you know from like extreme sporting challenges to um the career path that i decided to take you know the ridiculous work work hours and work ethic and um um, very very extreme ways of living um so yeah sometimes i feel like then it's all about okay within that how do you strike a balance to not as uh, you know a problem that to not burn out um i think that's also a case of like do you just keep going with that crazy kind of (laughs) pendulum stuck out to the side I was listening to a very interesting podcast and that said we need periods of stress. The important thing is that we also balance that with rest. So you kind of go from stress to rest and stress plus rest actually means that you grow. The problem is when we just keep the stress and we don't ever take the time to kind of take that in breath. We're just breathing out all the time, you know, producing, experiencing and we we don't have that time to just sit in and breathe and I think that's really beautiful because again in modern society we're not monks you know in the Himalayas we're not we can't just do hours of meditation every day and we are going to have stress you can't escape it but it's about how can we frame that stress so it's actually helping us to grow and I think the problem is that stress can actually be addictive as well in its own way like from a biochemistry uh, perspective actually the hormones that are released when we're stressed can be addictive and we get used to the very productive, very fast-paced kind of way of life because in a way it feels good, right? You get that adrenaline, you get that energy. So choosing to then rest can actually be hard. And sometimes instead of choosing to rest, we're kind of forced to rest because we just get so tired yeah. and burnt out and all of that. Yeah. Well, when you choose to do it, it's actually <laughs> very, very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. They say that Uh, in this podcast they were also mentioning that most creatives actually get their best ideas in the rest period so like they were mentioning authors you know who write you know four hours a day and then they rest for the other half and it's in that other half that actually all of that inspiration and juice that is taken into the writing comes through Mm -hmm. oh yeah completely i mean I, i i i think i really relate to that um I feel like it's when you know when my mind is at its kind of quietest that I feel like sometimes just ideas you know mm-hmm. fall to me. I don't you know I don't go like actively seeking them and running after them and seeing how I could like pin them down. Yeah. It's more like okay, let me sit mentally, sit back, and just be open to like whatever yeah. you know whatever comes to me. Um, 
going back to you know the whole idea of a retreat obviously this is super relevant because you know there's um, the guy who wrote sapiens yeah um, Yuval Harari yeah he takes a <coughs> month off every year to go into retreat and I think it's you know this is one of the reasons why retreats are so powerful is exactly what you mentioned we get addicted to doing mm. and it's quite hard to have the discipline to stay stop before you burn out um, but this is why retreats are so good because you're kind of setting aside that time to really rest and go within yourself and it's actually that that is going to provide all of the juice yeah. for your next yeah. actions yeah instead of you kind of running on this kind of adrenaline mm-hmm. yeah go 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 yeah. but then where are you getting you know what's the source of that so you end up producing but at a much lower level of what you're truly capable of yeah for sure um I recently was was reading an article by Andy Paddicombe, who's the founder of uh, uh, a mobile app called Headspace, which is a, a meditation app. And and what he the example that he gives is like imagine you're driving and and you know it's um, it's raining and you your your wipers aren't working. Um, you know it's it's going to get like it's your your visibility is going to decrease 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 and he said like you know with having wipers you get that you know that split second of of clarity and what he was ultimately referring to is like if you look at the lives that we you know in mainly in i i would say western society live you know it's like we're kind of on this treadmill that we seemingly just can't get off and it's just getting faster and faster and faster it's getting heavier more things are being thrown onto it um and I think we've all found that it's only like when we step off that, um, yes, it may hurt and you may get a few bruises and whatever, but like that moment, you know, when you uh, just take a step back and clear those wipers and, you know, um, and see that, you know, have that moment of clarity and use that clarity to like affect your, you know, to have an impact on, 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 the, on your business and make more conscious choices and, um, you know, ultimately, like, a retreat is great and, and we feel that, you know, coming to, to our retreat will be fantastic, you know, coming for five days and um, really disconnecting. But even, you know, on top of that, it's, you know, taking that 10 minutes in your day, you know, that or, you know, that, that hour in the week to just, like, take a step back, go for that, you know, walk without your mobile phone or just, like, sit for 10 minutes of silence. Um, that can be extremely powerful. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny how much of a challenge that can be. Like, even just meditating for five minutes before you leave home can be a huge challenge. It actually takes you years to kind of develop the taste for it and, and the will to, to do that, discipline to do that. And again, this is why it's kind of important to join group events and do yeah, group meditation because yeah. you kind of, that group dynamic, holds you to account and also gives you that discipline to really kind of get get the benefit from it and not just that I think but when you're when you sort of create a community around yourself of like-minded people who are sort of trying to deal with life in the same way okay it gives you that motivation and the support to do your practices and so on but they also offer you different insights because as we said when we're going through a dark night of the soul for example it can be hard to distinguish what thoughts are coming from where and what's the right thing to do and all of that so 
having a community around you of people who are also practicing, who have more clarity, they can then offer you some of their own insight. And that can be hugely helpful at these sort of critical turning points that we all inevitably end up facing. Definitely. I can remember, you know, a few phrases that people told me at specific times in my life and they're kind of imprinted in my mind and they, they still come back to help me you yeah. know, in certain moments. Um, so guys, we have about 10 minutes left because it would be nice to keep this around the hour mark. So if there's anything you guys really feel like, you know, you'd like to share at this time, now's the time. <laughs> Um, if not, I was thinking maybe we can talk a little bit just about the actual tools that we're going to be sharing at the retreat because, you know, we say, okay, creativity workshop, well, what is that? Mm -hmm. What is meditation? What is yoga? Maybe some people have never experienced that mm -hmm. before. So, uh, you're talking about the one-day retreats next week? Well, or the I think just nice to talk about okay. you know, these tools in general. So, um, some of the things that I will be sharing on the one-day retreat... Uh, on Saturday include uh, a nice yoga class in the morning and then I'll be closing the session with a sound therapy session which is very uh, hard to describe in words actually because the, the power of the sound is quite unique in its ability to make us kind of go to a deeper place in meditation um, and then on the, on the full week retreat I'm going to be sharing more um, nutrition related stuff so plant based power foods, uh, spiritual nutrition um, and of course more music which is always I think it, it might be nice to just talk a little bit about a couple of those because you know not everyone has done yoga before mm -hmm. and not everyone understands what spiritual nutrition is yeah. so I don't know if maybe you want to just share a few words um, about yoga as a tool um well, actually, I, I'd rather, if I had to focus on one thing, talk a bit about the food. Because yeah. yoga, of course, it's great. I really believe in it. But yoga is something that more and more people are already kind of tasting for themselves. It's becoming a lot more popular uh, around the island. Um, so I think people are kind of getting their own feeling for, for what that means for but them. But also, I mean, just, you know, to not just brush over it too much. Because yoga is an incredibly powerful practice. Yes, and I think... A lot of people are doing yoga while it's actually not understanding what yoga is, yeah. funnily enough, because That's you know it's many people see yoga as just the exercise, stretching, um, stretching, <laughs> or, which yeah. is is good and it's needed, and mm -hmm. the physical is you know yeah. definitely something that you need to do to then go to the other parts yeah. of yoga. Well, actually, it is a physical practice for a reason because actually the whole point of yoga, the the physical part of yoga, the asanas is. To keep the body strong, healthy, uh, clean, yeah. pure. So that, so that then, then yeah. exactly, yeah. so that then you can use yeah. that energy that you create through that practice um, to be more disciplined with your meditation and to yeah. sort of give you more clarity uh, of insight and all yeah. of that. So um, on, on the one day retreat, we're going to be starting with the yoga, obviously to get that stretching, get the blood flowing, get your circulation going, because it, it then helps you to go into meditation and feel more deeply the rest um, of the stuff. But obviously in the one week, we're going to have a bit more time to go into the breath exercises, mm -hmm. certain physical practices in yoga that people can take away, and then also the philosophy um, and one of the things that is actually related is nutrition because one yeah. of the yoga philosophies um, there are a few sort of guidelines in yoga which tell you how to live your life mm -hmm. which are guidelines which if you follow are going to help you 
to progress more quickly in yeah. your spiritual life um, and one of those is ahimsa and maybe you can share a little bit yeah. more about so, what you're talking about um well i think the the food connection is really really important actually in spirituality and it's underestimated I mean, in general, we're seeing a lot more interest in in more of a sort of healthy lifestyle and healthy eating. Um, but I think mostly that's coming from the place of just wanting to avoid being sick, which, of course, is great. We, we, we want to be healthy. Um, but in terms of spirituality, we kind of take it to the next level and say, but why do we want to be healthy? Why do we want to live longer? And the purpose is so that you have more energy and more time to progress spiritually, to work on yourself and, and keep that ball rolling. And um, the power of food can really be felt quite immediately. And I can say this from my own experience, whenever I've done sort of two week or two month or whatever cleanses, um, although the first few days have always been very tough because you kind of, you're going through this cleansing process, but um, it's always had a very big impact on me emotionally mentally and spiritually as well um i remember the first time i did uh, what dr cousins calls the phase one diet which is a highly therapeutic cleansing diet um after a couple of weeks of feeling actually quite bad i ended up feeling so good to the extent that like i didn't even know it was possible to feel so alive no substances no simulation nothing just my own energy that was purified I guess from from better eating and then of course the yoga the meditation so food can be a really um, great tool on the spiritual path because it, it helps us actually to connect to our own power that we didn't know that we're not even connecting to to the best of our ability so yeah we're going to be diving into that a lot on the retreat um, on like how we can eat in a way that's going to uplift our ourselves um, physically mentally emotionally spiritually uh, and also how to individualize that because of course we're we're all different we have different constitutions and we can all eat in a way that's that's different that's unique just to us so yeah we're going to be going into how to use all of those tools beautiful i think this is one of the biggest changes um, in life when it comes to diet is that switch from eating well because you don't want to feel guilty for eating badly mm-hmm. <laughs> or you want to avoid disease to eating well because you're just so engaged with life and yeah. you kind of want to fuel that feeling of aliveness and connection yeah. and then actually just your relationship with food becomes a lot lighter and even when yeah. you do have setbacks there isn't that same heaviness and mm-hmm. guilt it, you kind of take it more from a learning perspective and I think that's that's really beautiful so yeah definitely looking forward to that yeah I never I never tire of hearing you speak about nutrition because <laughs> you know the more you hear about it it, it refills that inspiration to mm-hmm. eat well yeah. like we all kind of go through phases of eating really well and then not being so disciplined and Uh The more you hear about these things, it just kind of gives you that extra motivation. And I think the discipline gets much easier once you start feeling good because you realize it's so not worth Like, okay, I could eat that muffin, going back to the muffin, but... (laughs) (laughs) The muffins always get it. It always gets it. But um, it's not going to make me feel that good. And it's hard to make that choice at the beginning because you don't know how good you could feel. But once you kind of cleanse and purify and you do start feeling good... That, you know, five minute sugar rush from the muffin yeah. is not yeah. worth sacrificing the yeah. all day high that you feel yeah. from eating uh, a more clean diet. So yeah. that it becomes easy, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And it, but I think it's also, you know, practices which we're going to have in the retreat, such as yoga and meditation, that ultimately create this awareness in the first place. You know, that like, instead of just being extremely reactive and saying, oh, this happened, so like, let me take the muffin to kind of, you know, I, I think these practices I have found anyway have been extremely beneficial in creating that headspace and allowing me to take a step back and yeah. say, okay, but, you know, what is my relationship with this food or whatever it is? And like, um, do I really need this at the moment? Yeah. Is it going to serve me to the best of my... Yeah. Um, they, all, they all work together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and by the way, just because, you know, I feel I need to defend muffins. <laughs> <laughs> muffins can actually be healthy. <laughs> just not your standard ones that you usually come by in most places. Yeah, and this is what we'll have time to go into, how yeah. to make um, foods that are still... Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be a sacrifice. You can eat delicious yeah. food, In fact, but it's one of the main food workshops um, is going to be a raw chocolate making workshop because we all love chocolate. Who doesn't love chocolate? We're going to have Emmeline, who is the co-founder, along with myself, of Theobroma. Um, she is just the dessert-making queen. And we're going to be teaching you guys how to make loads of different desserts because raw cacao is actually one of the top 10 most nutritious foods. And it's also a really great way of um, kicking off coffee because it's got some natural caffeine in. Um, so it's a really, really good food to help <coughs> you transition off coffee if, if that is what you want to do. We're also all coffee lovers, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, there's going to be a whole load of other workshops. Maybe, Dave, you want to just say a quick word about the creativity workshop because that's become a bit of a mainstay of what we do Yeah. in all of our retreats. You know, we try to put the creativity in there because it's uh-huh. it's such a fundamental need for all of us, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I, um, on the one-day retreat, I'll be hosting a creative writing uh, workshop. And the idea behind this isn't to um, teach you know people how to write better rather it's actually the premise of it is for people to um, express themselves uh, a bit better and, and use a medium such as writing to offload a lot of um, tension suppression um, emotions and feelings that we tend to just bottle up inside and personally I just found it to be a very very effective way um, writing to uh, to kind of unload <laughs> all of what I have suppressed inside um, yeah so that's that's one of the main focuses um, and then in the um, the five day um, retreat in Tuscany um, I think Amber and I will be going deeper into creativity in general um, looking into you know the purpose of um, unlocking your creative self, tapping into that, embracing it, and also self, into... self exploration as, exactly, as a part of that. Exactly. And how actually creativity and spirituality are so um, tightly knit together. Yeah, they, they are parallel sure. parts. And also, Dave's going to be guiding us on some nice runs and walks mm-hmm. in the Tuscan, beautiful Tuscan landscape, which I'm looking forward to. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great. I hope my knee's going to hold up. <laughs> no, Jeannie. Um, uh, yeah, obviously, there are going to be quite a few other workshops in the five day retreat. Um, we're going to be launching the full program so you guys can see exactly what's happening. There's going to be. S- um, a few different emotional release workshops um, there's one uh, called Light and Shadows which uses a set of archetypal cards just to again reflect um, 
on uh, the different dynamics within ourselves. These calls are, are quite hardcore. The shadows are really, it's like the rapist. Oh, yeah. The, in your face. The thief. You know, you pick this, you're like, me, I'm a rapist. What the hell? <laughs> it's really sort of at first. You kind of... But it somehow always ends up making sense. You know, like, yeah, unfortunately, oh. you can always find yourself in every oh, shadow. So good. But it is super beautiful because, yeah. again, it really kind of, it doesn't let you escape. You know, you really have to see the inner in a thief and in a rapist and in a vampire and all of this and even though you know it's not very pleasant we do all have these dynamics within us and when you have the strength to just recognize that then you're at liberty to choose you know before you say yes i have this you just have it when you can kind of look at it then you can choose to say like okay am i going to continue to act like this or not and, and the light side of the deck usually give you the kind of way it's funny because they, they always come out as opposites very often. So it's like you can either be the thief or you can be the giver. Mm. So I think that's also really beautiful to see how the shadows and the light are so intertwined. And actually our, our greatest weaknesses and kind of darkness are very connected to our shiniest lights. <laughs> You were going to say something? Uh, like? No, yeah, you touched on it. It's fine. Okay, I, I just wanted to ask you to speak a bit about your um, Finding Your Inner Hero workshop, which you're going to be doing at the One Day Retreat this weekend. Super, yeah. It's so I actually haven't fully planned a workshop yet, so I'm not quite sure what we're going to speak about, but the general theme is the hero's journey. Again, it's been something that we've discussed on this podcast a lot because it's really a br- blueprint for transformation. And it's really nice because when you just see the different stages of transformation, immediately you recognize yourself and you say, oh, I did get that call to adventure. There was a time I said yes. There was a time I said no. This was the great challenge. This was my transformation. This was the hero coming back to the village heroically. (laughs) Um, And actually, this is why movies are so powerful, because they all play upon this psychological dynamic within ourselves. So every hero from like Harry Potter, Frodo, Star Wars is the infamous one. And yeah, it's I think the top one of the top grossing films of all time. And actually, not many people know that George Lucas, who wrote Star Wars, was highly influenced by Joseph Campbell, who wrote The Hero's Journey. And George Lucas actually built in a lot of the psychological stages of the hero's journey into Star Wars. And this is why Star Wars is so great. And when you watch it, it's almost like you're going on that journey again. Um, But the thing is, very often we get that emotional cycle through watching a movie, through watching a series, through seeing other people have their heroic journeys. And very often it's a... kind of substitute for us doing that within our own lives so this workshop is really going to go into the dynamic of the hero's journey how we can recognize that pattern within our own lives and how to navigate each stage of that hero's journey to keep not get stuck at any one stage Mm -hmm. because as soon as we get stuck it's like that life energy is just at a dead end Um, so it's it's very unintegrating and and very prohibiting for our own level of happiness because we all need to be feeling this growth. Um, you know, at the moment there's a lot of talk about finding your purpose, but I really believe that we only have two purposes in life, and that's to grow and to contribute. And the hero's journey is all about this because the cycle is about how we grow 
And the last stage is the return of the hero, which is basically how the hero comes back to his society to share what he's learned through, through his challenges. So if you think about the Buddha, for example, he was a, a classic hero's journey story where he had the call to adventure, he left the safety of his palace, he went through these crazy challenges, but at the end, when he got his enlightenment, he came back to society to teach um, the the path of the eight limbs. Uh, the eight limbs was also the path, the middle path mm-hmm. um, of yoga. So again, you know, it's it's all about how we grow through the hero's journey, and then how we can bring that back and contribute. And we're going to be touching actually on this in, in every workshop that we do. But there will be, you know, the, the one day where it's really specifically targeted to this. Any last thoughts, guys? Ah, the raffle. Yeah, so uh, at my gig last night, we offered to have a raffle where people contributed a, a small amount of money and put their names in a hat. And we're going to announce the winner right now. So the winner is going to get to come to the one day retreat this weekend. <coughs> Uh, for the small cost that, that they paid. So, well, who wants to pick? I'll pick. Okay. Ah! Catherine Bonnici. Catherine, you are coming to our one day retreat. Do you remember? Congratulations. Who Amber was so excited there. It was almost like she won for a second. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy. It's going to be really nice to have her with us. Awesome. Fantastic. So, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. As I said, if you have any other questions about the retreat, about just transformation in general, the three of us were very committed to just helping people and supporting people go through um, what we've been through and we're constantly supporting each other as well because it never stops and so again any last thoughts guys yeah and i think um ultimately that's why we decided to have this uh you know to record this episode is to um you know hold a space where people are comfortable to share you know vulnerable experiences and understand that ultimately you know um you know you're not alone (laughs) and that you know we all we all go through um pain suffering um resistance resistance (laughs) but understanding that you know um that stuff is super important and it's about having uh, the awareness or or ultimately maybe taking certain decisions to have the awareness to 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 course correct um, and use those, you know, the pain and suffering as wisdom rather than as woe. Yeah. Beautiful. I think you summed it up for all of us there. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks as always for listening. I really would appreciate it if this touched you in any way to share this podcast and help us spread the message. And just to remind you, because I always... I always introduce everyone and forget to introduce myself. <laughs> um, that I'm Yasmin, I'm the founder of Grassy Hopper and the co-founder of Sanya, a new holistic center with Amber. And yeah, just again to remind you, the three of us, we're, we're hosting this retreat. And we, we have actually host loads of different workshops at Sanya. So if you're curious, if you need a little bit of support, if you just want to get a little bit out of your comfort zone, um, then just follow us because we're always sharing different tools and, and different workshops that we'll be sharing with you. Thanks again for listening, guys, and we'll see you 
in the next episode soon, which is actually going to be with Amber again, talking specifically about spiritual nutrition. Can't wait. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, guys. See you soon. Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. My friends still rave about the Prosecco I brought last year. Let me help make your Friendsgiving unforgettable. Bordeaux is one of the world's most popular red blends, made from Cabernet, Cab Franc, and Merlot. It also makes the perfect gift for your picky boss. Having turkey and all the fixings? I suggest an easy-drinking Pinot Noir. For white drinkers, try an unoaked Chardonnay. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers! Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com.